Okay, 34 past the top of the hour back on this Wednesday. And because it's a Wednesday, time to welcome in vaccine researcher Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us each and every week. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. Okay, we're going to start with uh, Quebec, who has announced that they're going to lift the uh, masking mandate in schools and classrooms as of March the 7th. And I guess just straight up, is the timing right for this, do you think, Dr. Gorfinkel, for students to take uh, their masks off and learn in the classroom? Yeah, so baby step backward. It's not all students. This is for elementary and high school students only, and only when they're sitting in the classroom. So this doesn't apply if they're walking in the hallways, if they're in, say, cafeterias or on a bus. You know, is the timing right? Well, you look at the case numbers. They appear to be plummeting, which is great. Hospitalizations are coming way, way down. They're really, literally a fraction of what they were. Now, true, they're not at pre-Omicron levels just yet, but they are significantly lower than they were. So there are a lot of really good metrics out there. The number of deaths has gone down. The number of ICU admissions has come down a lot. So it does look pretty promising as far as, you know, having kids take off masks and understand, too, that kids are unlikely to get very sick from it. You know, so with those metrics combined, there's a lot of pros to having kids not wearing masks, better socialization. There's questions around, do they actually learn better without masks? I I question that a bit, but the better socialization part I buy into. So what are the downsides of it? Well, what if we're wrong? What if the numbers go up? It doesn't appear to be going that way. It really does appear to be going down and nicely. So that's super exciting. Well, let me ask you, though, about the timing, because uh, March 7th, it's, uh, I guess, uh, just before March break. So kids will be coming back uh, back into the classroom uh, right after uh, maybe some uh, travel. I mean, is the timing optimum or would it have been better to wait maybe just a couple of more weeks after March break? You know, it's a, it's a difficult call to know with certainty, but I think the timing makes some sense. You know, how many are going to be going away? How many are going to be getting the disease on return? How many are vaccinated? Unfortunately, when it comes to the under 12, we're still largely unvaccinated. Far less than half have received two doses. So that's a bit of a problem. Could they be transmitting disease to others? It's a possibility, but understand with more than four out of five Quebecers and overall being so-called fully vaccinated, having had two doses, I think the probability is that the case numbers in hospitals will stay low. It's gonna go up a little bit, but it's not gonna go super high. I admire Quebec for doing a nuanced approach. You realize this isn't all schools everywhere. We're not talking about every elementary school and every high school. Some are waiting an extra week until March 14th. Some are doing it March 7th. So there is a bit of nuance in their approach, which I think, you know, hopefully Ontario will learn from. Well, I was about to ask you that very question. Is there a case to be made that Ontario should be following suit here when it comes to kids in the classroom? I I think we're all moving in tandem. You're talking about a a matter of weeks here. You're not talking about a a matter of like many months. Consider too that hospitalizations in Ontario are now one quarter of what they'd been in early January. It is a massive drop. ICU admissions are also down by a good half. 
And understand when you take a look at the hospitalizations that are there, half of them aren't even there because of COVID. They just happened to discover they had COVID once they were in the hospital. So yeah, it's not exactly pre-Omicron levels in Ontario either, but it certainly appears to be moving in that direction. And when we take a look and consider that, you know, most Ontarians at this point, more than four out of five have been fully vaccinated. By that definition, two doses, not three. I'm just saying that, you know, and, and so many Ontarians have actually had the disease. So we're, we're drawing on a pretty good immunity at this point in terms of preventing hospitalizations and in terms of our systems becoming overwhelmed. All right, you mentioned numbers. Let's break those down a little bit. Uh, Ontario reporting today just over 1,100 people in hospital, just over 300 in ICU. Uh, Where are we right now when it comes to Omicron and just, I guess, the pandemic overall in the province, uh, do you think? How would you characterize it, Dr. Gorfinkel? Well, they're not quite at pre-Omicron levels. We're still two to three times that number, you know, so it's still higher than it had been, but it's far lower a fraction of what it had been just in early January. So Omicron is coming down. And why is that? It may be because so many people have had the disease. It may be because we're testing less for it, so we're seeing less of it. But if you take a look at wastewater signals, that's also positive. You know, in in other words, COVID-19, the virus that causes it, is shed in our feces, and that can then be measured in wastewater. And when we take a look at those measurements, those two are considerably down. Those numbers have actually been really accurate at predicting the number of cases that, uh, that are overall in the population. So it's pretty exciting stuff. And I think it's reasonable that the steps that are now being taken. I just hope that the numbers stay as low as they are. Of course, we can't predict for future variants. But one thing that looks certainly positive is that for all of the variants, the doses have, in fact, been very good at keeping people out of hospital. Now, sure, that third dose would do a lot of good for a lot of people. But even two doses is very good at keeping people from getting hospitalized. All right. And speaking of variants, I wanted to ask you, too, about the uh, latest Omicron variant, BA2. I mean, is it spreading? What do we know about this? Uh, I think there's been reports it's a far more uh, transmissible. Uh, what more can you tell us about this uh, latest uh, variant and uh, what's next when it comes to COVID? It is concerning that it, it went from being just a few cases a, a couple of weeks ago, a few short weeks ago, and now it accounts for 11% of the cases. So about basically one out of 10 cases that they're checking. What is concerning is that we're checking for it far less than we used to. So Ontario used to be very aggressive about checking for this variant, and now we're checking far fewer samples than we used to. It's called the stealth variant because standard testing can easily miss this particular variant. Fortunately, the vaccines are just as effective against it. It does keep people out of hospital if you're vaccinated, even with two doses, just like the original variant. But can it overtake the original Omicron? Maybe. You know, there are four subvariants that are identified, and this one is, does appear to be on the rise. All right. So having said that, though, is this something and I think people are becoming more and more used to this, uh, you know, hearing about uh, different variants, uh, whether it be of Omicron or just COVID 
overall. And is this something that we can just uh, or need to expect uh, down the road and into the future that, uh, you know, we are going to see more and more uh, variants, but uh, eventually this becomes from a pandemic to an endemic and that uh, these uh, variants and what we see of uh, COVID, it becomes more like kind of an annual flu. Is that right? Well, the difference between a pandemic and an endemic is important to understand. So pandemic is where you have these huge waves in which hospitalizations and deaths go up and then it goes down. So we've seen wave after wave, we're on wave five now, could we go into a wave six with a brand new variant? Unfortunately, the answer to that remains yes, we could simply because not enough of the world is vaccinated. So as long as there are cases happening in droves in low-income countries, what that translates into is opportunities for the virus to make mistakes when it's replicating and give us brand new variants. The vast majority of mutations are not going to result in mistakes that wind people up in hospital. But occasionally you have a new variant like Omicron, took us totally by surprise. Our numbers were low, everything looked great. January came around and boom, you know, it was crazy numbers that we saw. You know, actually December, that's when it really started shooting up. So could that happen again? The answer is yes. But will our vaccines continue to keep people out of hospital? They've been unbelievably great and effective at preventing people from getting hospitalized and dying. Like the number of people, and nobody even talks about this, but the number of deaths would have been way more. You can probably multiply it by nine or 10. Even in long-term care, you know, people are saved by having been vaccinated. You know, so the more vaccines, probably the optimal number for the general population is truly three. It's it's not two, you know, and still we don't have enough people with booster shots. But, you know, we're, we're already starting to split hairs compared to a lot of countries that don't even have one dose yet. All right. Listen, we're going to step aside and take a quick break. When we come back, more with vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 